You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. God is so good, isn't he? Amen. I thank God for what he's doing. Amen. Uh, If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. And I'm going to speak to you this morning about the call to repentance. The call to repentance. And um, Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says, When Jesus heard, when he heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That doesn't mean that he's not concerned about the righteous. Um, He's concerned that everybody would get to hear this wonderful truth and gospel, and that everyone this morning um, in the house of the Lord watching or listening online would receive the call, the call to repentance. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. Doesn't matter how long you've served God. Everybody needs to repent. I don't know what your week was like, I don't know what happened this week. I don't know your thoughts. I don't know your deeds. I just know that I need, I need the call to repentance. Doesn't matter. Um, Well, you're you're pastoring. Yeah, well, that's that's maybe even a greater need for the call to repentance. I need the call to repentance. There was a little... Um, it's called the mouth of the mountain, Baca, Baca del Monte. It was isolated. Uh, it was like an isolated wooden inn that was at the beginning of a journey into a high, high country of Colombia. And there was a lady by the name of Eucharist, a woman who was the first person to take the gospel uh, to the mountain people at this, in this area of Colombia. And um, Bill Dross showed up at the, this little inn at the bottom of this hill. And there was uh, a rope bridge that went across the river about 100 yards, 300 feet or so. That would be enough to scare me. And on the other end of that little rope bridge, there was a mule that awaited Brother Dross on the other side to take him to the top of the mountain. And the ascent was sometimes very dangerous. And some of the areas that they went through, there was, it was only wide enough for just the man to go through. And it took all day for him to get to the top of that hill. He arrived there somewhere around 7 o'clock that evening. And he, he laid down exhausted of the journey that it took him to, to get to the top of that mountain. But when he got there, there was about 200 people. 
200 people that wanted to hear the news of the gospel. And over the next couple days, Brother Dross explained to them salvation and the gospel. And it was quite an incredible journey. We, we, um, we think of the comforts of what we would need to have to take an all-day journey. Not too sure that all of us would be excited about going up the side of a mountain on a mule. But in the case of Brother Dross, he, he arrived there and there was about 200 people. And um, after teaching them for a couple days about the gospel, there was about a hundred of them that wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name. And they went, um, of course, there, there, wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of water at the top of the mountain. And they spoke of this man that did not believe the truth. He did not believe the word of God, but he had a pool. And so they, they said that he had a pool, but they wouldn't probably be welcomed there. And Brother Dross said, well, we, we need to go there anyway. He has a pool. And a hundred of them went there to be baptized in Jesus' name in the man's pool. When they asked him about if they could use it, um, he first wanted to know why, and then he wanted to hear about what they, what they were talking about. And in that process, Brother Dross explained to him the power of the gospel, repentance, baptism, and being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The man ran into his house, got in his pajamas, and came back out and was the first one that was baptized of the hundred. And I, I read that story, and that's, again, you can read that in Bill Dross, the Pentecost book. I hear stories like that, and, and I wonder if we sometimes have become too comfortable in the setting that we have in the world that we live in, and the necessity, the necessity of hearing the simple truth of good old-fashioned repentance still works. I wish I was a better preacher. I wish I could, I could put sermons together better, and I wish I could arrange it like some great orators. And maybe someday I'll grow up and, and improve. But whether it's an orator this morning or someone that's a Bible college student or someone who just gave their heart to the Lord, if they explain to you the necessity of the need of repentance, it will still work. It will still work. And Jesus pointed out shortly before his ascension, and he said this in Luke 24 and 44, all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. 
And one of the earliest of those things that had to be fulfilled in the New Testament era was the prophecy of what Isaiah said concerning John the Baptist. And Isaiah um, prophesied about John the Baptist going to be coming. And, and Matthew writes about it. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This is Matthew writing about what Isaiah prophesied about. And Isaiah had written this in Isaiah 40 verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in a desert a highway for our God. So it had been prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus ever came that there was going to be someone that was going to come and prepare the way for the Lord to come. It was prophesied. Now I want you to notice in Isaiah 40 verse 3, there's two very important words there, Lord and God. Um, the Lord that's mentioned here uh, is, of course, these are pronouns that identify Jesus as God himself. The Lord here represents the Hebrew Yahweh, sometimes uh, obviously written as Jehovah in English. And it's translated by God himself to Moses when he, when he was asked by Moses, who, who do I say that you are? And he said, tell them that I am. And so what you have is all through the Old Testament, you see uh, renditions of, of Yahweh and Jehovah, Lord. You'll see uh, these spoken of. You'll also see in this verse the word God. That's the Hebrew word translated uh, God in, I, in Isaiah 40, verse 3. And it's the Hebrew word, the form of Elohim. And, and this, is, this is the use, the use the creator goes all the way back to Genesis 1. And so you, you can see this all through the Old Testament. And Isaiah is prophesying, and Matthew writes who this person is. The person is the one that John the Baptist is talking about. And John the Baptist came and preached repentance. The first recorded words that are spoken by John the Baptist was in Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the message of repentance. That was John's mission. It's reiterated in a variety of ways in the gospel. You see Luke write the words. He came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Ma Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all give renditions of what John the Baptist was saying. And so um, this word repentance refers to the changing one's way of life as the result of a complete change of thought and attitude. 
in regard to sin. So it doesn't matter who we are this morning. Paul writes and says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Say, Pastor, I've heard this before. You need to hear it again. Because every one of us, we're on the same level. Every one of us were born into sin. And every one of us needed a Savior. And every one of us need to repent. What am I saying this morning? Every one of us needs a change of thought and attitude towards sin. Sin is still sin. Doesn't matter how someone flowers it up, tries to make it appear better than it was, sin is still sin. Scripture, we have to realize, obviously wasn't written originally in English, so it's necessary to capture not merely the English definition of the word, but also the way that the word was understood when it was written in the time uh, that it was. And so in this case, the English is the, the focal component of the word repent is, is the sorrow of contrition that a person experiences because of sin. It should make us feel sorrowful. Well, you know, I, I feel bad about it. no. It should take you to a place of sorrow that you do not desire to live that way any longer. Well, you know, I made a mistake. No, I am a sinner saved by grace. It's not about, you know, well, I'm a good person. I'm this or... No, I'm a sinner that needs to repent both of thought and behavior with respect to know how one should act or think, uh, the, the, the attitude behind our thoughts and our behaviors is, 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 brought, is brought out in this word, repent. It's not just the things I do, but it's also the things that I think. Oh, God, call us to an old-fashioned place of repentance. I don't want it to be just history of hearing how people's lives made a 180. And what they used to be is the exact opposite of what they are now. I don't want that to just be history. I want that to be in May of 2022, where people's lives are transformed in such a way that it's the exact opposite of what they were doing yesterday when the time of repentance happens in a person's life. Everything John the Baptist did about preaching repentance was pointing to, pointing to Jesus. Isaiah's prophecy about the ministry of John the Baptist pointed specifically to Jesus. John's focus was on Jesus and not, 
not himself. And he, he didn't just limit it to Isaiah's prophecy. He, he made known his own comments about Jesus and his interaction with Jesus and, and that Jesus was superior to him. John the Baptist consistently pointed the hearers to Jesus. John knew that his own ministry was just a fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, but he promised that there was a Messiah that would take away the sin of the world, baptize them with the Holy Spirit. John was continually pointing not just to his ministry, which was a fulfillment of prophecy, but there is one coming after me that is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unlatch. He will baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Yeah. <laughs> and so John, he was preaching repentance and preparing the way for the Lord. For people to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. It was necessary, John said, for every one of us to repent. That's always the first step. It's always the first step. You and I can't get to Jesus without understanding our need of Jesus. We can't get closer to Jesus without understanding our lack of what we are, ourselves, Everything about what John preached was about Jesus. This morning, I'm not, I'm not against program, and I'm not against doing things as good as possible. I'm not against structure. I think all those things are good. Doing things decently and having good church. I'm not against any of those things. And I'm thankful for good music and I'm thankful for great talent. I'm thankful for all of those things. But I can tell you this morning, no one will get saved because of any of those things. You won't get saved because of me, and you won't get saved because of this church. You'll only get saved this morning if you bow your knee in repentance to an almighty God that can forgive you this morning. You can't do enough good. And you can't do enough deeds, and you can't give enough money, and you can't spend enough time. You can't do any of those things to earn what is necessary this morning. It still takes the call to repentance. Don't allow yourself to get caught up in the spirit of the world that you can become your own God. That is a spirit of the world. And that is a new age movement. And that doesn't work this morning. It still takes me calling upon God and saying, God, I need to repent this morning of my sin. Still takes what John preached. And it still takes 
who John directed it towards. Just as John the Baptist came on the scene in fulfillment of prophecy of Isaiah, so did Jesus. Matthew connected the beginning of Jesus' ministry back to Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 9 of Isaiah. But this is what Matthew wrote, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the, man, and the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. What Matthew is doing, he's going back, he's going back to Isaiah chapter 9. He's writing from the prophecy that Isaiah is getting ready to introduce concerning who Jesus is. At the beginning of chapter 9, Isaiah is preparing the prophecy of who's coming. And that's why when you get to verse 6 of chapter 9 of Isaiah, he says, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Isaiah is being prophetic of Jesus coming, and Matthew is writing about it from Isaiah chapter 9. Everything they're doing is they're pointing to the one who actually can forgive sin. That's why Matthew wrote it, and he said, and they shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Doesn't matter whether we're Jew or Gentile, the message of repentance is still the introduction to getting us to Jesus. And entering into his presence and a change of life and, and the past being forgiven and our life being turned around and our thoughts and our behaviors uh, taking a 180 and shift. It doesn't matter what else you know this morning. If you do not repent, you will not be saved. Now what's so interesting about how the Lord's ministry was... Of course, the preparation was made by the prophets of old. John the Baptist came and prepared the way. I want you to notice uh, how Jesus sees the attitude of people. He's doing his ministry, the Lord is, and all of a sudden they bring to him a man that is paralyzed and lying on a bed. And the Lord knew the faith of this man when he arrived. He knew the attitude of this man's heart when he arrived. And you see it in the response of the Lord to him. This is what the Lord said to him in Matthew 9 and 2. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. The man... And everyone that brought him thought they were bringing him just for healing. 
And the Lord saw the attitude of this man's call to repentance. And immediately he responds to him. You can understand through Scripture that Jesus is the only one who can forgive sin. And so he automatically understood the attitude in the heart of this man. And he says to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. Wow. Why is that important? Well, it's important because you have to realize this morning that it's not going to be how eloquent you are and how you say it. It's not going to be in um, how you present yourself to the Lord and how well you look. No, none of those things are going to cut it. It's not going to be based upon how well off I am. It's not even going to be based upon what other people think. It's not going to be based upon any of those things. What it's going to be based upon is God knows exactly my heart when I arrive to him and my need of him and my call out to him and my desire for him to change my life and my desire for him to take my life from what it is now and make it what he wants it to be. And when you come to him just as you are and say, God, I am in need of you. I am in need of you. I, I'm listening. I'm responding. I'm, I'm obeying the call to repentance. It won't matter how flowery your words are. It won't matter that you can't get words out through tears that are running down your face. He sees the heart of the individual as they repent before him. And his response is, thy sins be forgiven you. See, the Pharisees and the scribes who did not believe on Jesus, they complained. They complained. The man receiveth sinners, and he's eating with them. And the Lord's response to the the Pharisees and the scribes when they're complaining about him eating too much with sinners, he gives them the parable of the lost sheep. And a lot of times we look at that parable, and understandably so, we look at it like there's already 99 in the fold, and the Lord's going after one, and that he is willing also to do. But you have to understand who he's talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes. He's talking talking to the self-righteous bunch. And he says, I'll leave the righteous And I'll go after the one that's willing to repent. And there's a celebration of that one when he returns. That's why he said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The publicans and the sinners, they're complaining with him again. In his calling of Levi. And they, 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 they're all up in arms with him again because of, of what Jesus is doing. And he said to them, they that are whole need not 
a physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Just a simple little verse in Luke. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So repentance this morning is not a suggestion. It is not a suggestion. No, it's not something that, you know what, if you find it convenient, do. No, it's not a suggestion this morning. It's God's universal command. You and I will repent at one point or another. I want to do it on the terms that I get to do it right now. Because every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I, I want to respond to the call, the universal command of Jesus. Say, Pastor, you're not giving any leeway in this command. That's absolutely the truth. I will stand before God for how I say it to you this morning. You must, you have to, it is a command to repent. Mm. Look at the example of Acts chapter 17 and Paul shows up at Athens. Acts 17 and 26, Paul's explaining to them what's going on here. Explain that God hath, hath made of one blood all nations and men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they seek the Lord. If happily, he says, that they might feel after him and find him, though, though he be not very far from every one of us. Paul is leading them up to in this Acts 17, their need for, their absolute requirement for going after God. And when he visited them, he noted their, he noted their per, pervasive uh, idolatry. And he declared unto them in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, these scriptures are not by themselves. They're in, in connection with the story. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he says to them, he commands all men everywhere to repent. Paul tells them at Athens, you're going to need to repent. He goes on to tell them in verse 31 that there hath appointed a day in which they will be judged. It's no different today. That was, that was the church. That's the church that we're part of. If Paul was standing before you this morning, he would say the same thing as I am saying today. It is a requirement. It's a command. It's a must. Everybody. Everybody. Well, pastor, I've been in church this length of time. It doesn't matter. Make sure. Make sure you're repentant before God. 
attitudes and spirits and and things try to attach themselves to our lives that try to mess us up on a daily basis oh god i lay myself on the altar as a living sacrifice this morning god cleanse me from all unrighteousness and filthiness of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life god take everything out of me that's not of you Can you say this morning, everything that's contrary to his word, God, get it out of me. The call to repentance still works. Listen, I've heard the the old stories. You read them, and they're quite amazing. One brother Dudley had in his book some guy that had come to church and given his heart to the Lord and he had stolen someone's rubber boots however many years before. But when he gave his heart to the Lord, he felt it was necessary to take the rubber boots and take them back to the person that he had taken them from. That's good old-fashioned repentance. Well, you know, I don't want them to find out. (laughs) I took his boots. No, repentance is that you make it right. That's the turnaround. That's not about convenience. That's if I've spoken harshly to you, I need to apologize to you. Maybe you've spoken harshly to your spouse today. You might want to apologize to them. Him or her, not them. Him or her. I'll clarify that. I will repent. See, the ability to repent, music come. The ability to repent is a gift from God. When Peter explained that he had gone to the house of Cornelius, the Jewish believers, they glorified God and said, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Luke 13 and 3 says, They that refuse to repent will perish. And so when we obey that universal command and experience the freedom that happens in repentance, something powerful happens in your life. Everything that holds you captive, and everything that would try to, to confine you in your life and everything that would try to come against your mind and every thought that would try to control your mind on a daily basis and every deed and behavior that would try to be the focal point of your day everything that's not of God has to come to a stop everything no matter what you are controlled by of this world when the call of repentance is heeded to your life changes 
you're willing to take back the boots. So on this Sunday morning, I can't preach to you anything more important. Can't tell you anything that will be more life-changing than every person in this room and every person that's watching or listening online right now. Whoever you may be, now's the time to heed the call to repentance and allow God again to take our life and free us, free us from what would hold us captive. You say, well, pastor, I'm not addicted to anything. Thank the Lord. But how's your attitude? Pastor, I have stayed away from the clubs and the gambling joints, and that's good. Thank the Lord. But how's your faithfulness? Sometimes I just need to repent of the things I should do that I haven't done. Sins of omission, the sins of commission, and the sins of thought. Oh, God, help me this morning. I feel his presence right now. God laid it into my spirit this morning to preach about the call of repentance. The call of repentance. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.